It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. The Bengals landed their safety in Nick Scott, and we'll take a look at the updated picture of the Cincinnati Bengals cap, plus what's next for them in free agency. You are Locked On Bengals. Your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko. He's your host, James Rapine. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and you can subscribe to our podcast on YouTube. You can follow it anywhere you get your podcast and get notified when we upload our content, so you can join that first listen club. Today's episode of Locked On Bengals brought to you by Ultimate Football GM. You can download the game in the App Store or, or at ultimate-gm.com and get a 100% free boost to your franchise using promo code Locked on in all caps in the game. And James, over the weekend, the Bengals landed their safety. They talked to both Nick Scott and Taylor Rapp, former safeties, current free agent for Taylor Rapp of the Los Angeles Rams. And they signed one. Nick Scott deal came to fruition after a little bit of hand-wringing. I was checking out at the grocery store this time, James. Wasn't home uh, to keep Not at that a going. Yeah. Nope. Next one of those will be Tuesday night. So, you know, we'll oh. see. Oh, but an update, an update. That, and that's all you're going to get. But the Bengals find their safety three years, $12 million for Nick Scott. So an average of about $4 million of exactly $4 million per year. First year cap hit once again, minimized a, a near league minimum salary for Nick Scott in the first year to go with a $3 million signing bonus. So he will take home, North of around four and a half million dollars is is what his take home will be for year one. The cap hit will be around two point five million dollars, I believe, give or take. And so we can talk a little bit about the salary cap later. But this does continue the trend. The reason I'm pointing this out of the Bengals pushing cap hits into future years this offseason as they continue to mitigate and reduce the cap hits for 2023. Good. Leave as much room and we'll get to the cap hit part of it. Later is much room for as many players that we can talk about in this episode and other episodes and hopefully bonus episodes after Jake's update uh, or maybe another grocery store run. That said, I like the signing and I don't know about you, what your initial thought was. I know there was some Chauncey Gardner Johnson love, some movement on social media. I don't really think they were swimming in those waters at safety. And just the more I learn about Scott, whether it's as I've, it's his athleticism. It feels like he's an ascending player on a second contract. He just sort of fits the bill of how the Bengals have gotten it right 
how they got it right with Von Bell, how they got it right with all of these free agents. Second contract, ascending player coming from a winning team. I get it. The Rams didn't win last year. Um, I don't need to tell you about their history of winning prior to last year. I just, I think that, uh, that this was a, a good get, get by the Bengals. And yeah, they got cheaper at safety. They were going to have to because the wide receiver room, that's going to get more expensive. The quarterback room is getting a hell of a lot more expensive in the near future. And so when you're spending that money, it, you're, going to, you're going to have to cut the expenses a bit in other areas. And so getting cheaper at safety, that was something they were going to do. It stinks losing Von Bell. But I like Nick Scott, and I'm excited to see him in stripes. Yeah, I, I like the Nick Scott signing well enough. I do think it represents a clear downgrade generally in terms of the safety position. I think that that's something that you kind of expected with Jesse Bates' departure. But we'll see with Dax Hill, right? Maybe Dax Hill steps in, and they don't miss a beat. Maybe Nick Scott steps in, steps up, has a career year, takes that ascending path that you're talking about James and continues to play at a high level coming off his first year starting for the Rams and he turns into a payday. I, I like that they add athleticism at the safety position, right? They get more athletic at that spot, at least in terms of athletic testing numbers from the combine. And we can show those on the screen. If you're watching on YouTube, if you're not watching on YouTube, the current projected safeties for the Cincinnati Bengals in 2023 are Dax Hill and Nick Scott. Those guys have a relative athletic score respectively of 9.03 for Dax Hill. That means he's a 90th percentile athlete and 9.21 for Nick Scott, which makes him a 92nd percentile athlete. Both of those guys testing really well going back to the combine. So one of the big things to like about this is that they're much more athletic at the safety position. And if you're watching on YouTube, you can see these, but the 40 yard dash for both guys, four, three, eight, four, four, five, respectively for Hill and Scott and pretty good jumps for Nick Scott, really good agility for Dax Hill, adequate agility testing for Nick Scott. But then you go and you compare it to what they had in Jesse Bates and Von Bell. And I don't think anyone would say that Jesse Bates was a poor athlete or anything like that, but he didn't test as well as either of these guys. He was a 73rd percentile athlete, ran that four, five, 40, Really good three cone, but everything else was, you know, above average for for Jesse Bates. Von Bell never thought of as a great athlete, was was a slightly below average athlete by RAS, a 47th percentile athlete or so when you look at his 40-yard dash, his vertical, his height, weight, and his bench. So you get younger by virtue of Dax Hill stepping in and starting. Nick Scott just just about a, a half year younger than Von Bell. You get more athletic at the position. That's something that you've really got to like. You've got a couple of guys who could be very versatile. Nick Scott projects to be pretty versatile. I've seen a lot of people talking about him, though, James, as the direct Von Bell replacement. And I think we need to wait and see there. He's a guy that you could project to play more in the box than he did for the Rams. But if you look at what he did for the Rams in the game, certainly that I watched, with Nick Scott was he was playing high safety the entire game. Now, given this is against the Chiefs where teams are tending to prioritize the pass and maybe you're not going to get as variable with those safeties. But the other thing that stood out to me with Nick Scott is that he has one career blitzing snap, according to PFF. And the Bengals blitz their safeties. Last year, Von Bell had 38 pass rushing reps. Jesse Bates had 18 pass rushing reps. So that's something that I'll have to get used to. I think, you know, even looking at the, the split, for inbox versus playing high pre-snap, he probably will need to get used to playing in the box a little bit more. So it will be interesting to see how Lou Anarumo plans to use his skill set and 
really good coming off the roof as a run defender, as, as Mike Santagata will tell you when we talk to him about Nick Scott. Uh, good speed, good good closing speed, good speed in the secondary, good sideline to sideline range. Um, I, I saw a little bit of issue with him changing direction, looked a little bit stiff. He is a safety after all, but it'll be interesting to see how these guys are used, right? Dax Hill, we know, is an ultimate Swiss Army knife in the secondary. And so how does Nick Scott fit into that? That's the the puzzle that Lou Anarimo gets to put together as these guys get into the off-season program and into training camp. And that's the beauty of keeping Lou Anarumo. I don't want to hear about oh, – Lou Anarumo was all in on Dax. He was their highest, paid, or highest player on their board last year. He loved the pick. He's really excited about it, right? So there's one of Lou's guys. The other one is Nick Scott. And if you had lost Lou Anarumo – and then you lose Jesse Bates and Von Bell, and you have a new defensive coordinator. I'm much more concerned. This Bengals it's probably defense, not Nick Scott. It's probably somebody else. It, sure, but the Bengals defense is outside of Eli Apple. The front seven is intact now. They kept Jermaine Pratt. So we're talking about a first rounder starting alongside a guy who, again, appears to be an ascending player. I just I don't think it's going to be this. And there's going to be a drop-off for sure. You're talking about a top safety in the game in Jesse Bates and a veteran that's played in a ton of huge games, had four picks last year, was a huge leader in the locker room, Von Bell. Anytime you lose those guys, there's going to be a drop. But I think Lou looks at this, and I'm curious to see how the defense changes. Does he not blitz the safeties as much? Does Dax become the guy that blitzes more and and is clear-cut? Is he using both guys deep 50-50. You didn't want Von Bell deep. That was not something that he thrived in. You didn't want him one-on-one with tight ends during that Super Bowl run. No one felt good about that. I, I wonder how they, how, how he uses these two guys. I think they're more athletic. They're, um, and I've, I've seen some, too, say, oh, well, they should still go get Taylor Rapp. Or, That's hogwash. You, you need to start Dax Hill. I think he's ready to go. Didn't play last year. I don't want to hear about special team snaps. Didn't play last year. It's time to get him on the field and and let him show what he can do. He was drafted for a reason. So I'm excited to see this group. And yeah, Bates, Bell, they were a heck of a duo at the same time. I think they're going to be just fine at safety. That's my vibe. I'm not panicking at a a Dax Hill and, um, you know, Nick Scott, one, two. And Tyson Anderson, by the way, we didn't pull up his – Stats, but he's a, a 90, what, fourth percentile athlete. So he's another freakish athlete that's going to play this year as well. Really athletic. The only way that they're signing another safety, guys, is if Dax Hill is making a full-time conversion to corner. And and they're going to really use him as a very versatile piece. They're going to put him in the slot when you have Mike Hilton. They're going to put him on tight ends. Uh, and they want a, a really high-end third safety. I don't think that that's necessarily coming for Dax Hill. If they do sign another safety, then, then we can start to speculate about a position change uh, for Dax Hill. But you think about what you just talked about, James, in terms of how they use Von Bell in spots where you know they would use Trey Flowers before. Well, maybe now it's Dax Hill who's manning up tight ends, and, and that's where Nick Scott is your deep safety, right? And so that way you have that fit. We'll talk a little bit more about some of the scheme fits, some of the film takeaways for these guys when we talk to Bengal Sands at some point here. In the near future, we're going to talk about Orlando Brown, of course, and Nick Scott and whoever else the Bengals signed because we are still expecting some activity. We'll take a look at the Bengals' current cap picture and what they still have left to do in free agency as we continue this show coming up next.
Today's show is brought to you by Ultimate Football GM. We've talked about this mobile game app for quite some time. If you've ever dreamt about being an NFL GM, well, you need to get Ultimate Football GM. And whether it's hiring and firing coaches, whether it's navigating the finances of the safety room or free agency, the draft, you can do all of those things with Ultimate Football GM in a realistic environment, a challenging game world. Ultimate Football GM is completely free and playable offline, so you can play as you go, regardless of service, even if you're taking a flight to, I don't know, Canada to uh, to visit Jake Lisko and maybe hang out with him before his date on Tuesday. Locked on Bengals listeners get a 100% free boost to their franchise when using the promo code LOCKED ON in all capitals in the game store. That's promo code LOCKED ON in all caps, so make sure you check it out today, or you could go to ultimate-gm.com Again, ultimate-gm.com or the App Store, Ultimate Football GM. Start your dynasty today. Let's talk about cap space, shall we? We don't have full cap figures for Cody Ford's contract. That is still totally unreported. I can't imagine it's much more than a veteran minimum deal, so the cap impact should be pretty minimal there. We're talking maybe $300,000 due to offsets and the way that cap accounting works. But currently, you go to overthecap.com, It'll tell you that the Bengals have $17.5 million of cap space. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Current cap space figures tend to lie, James, which is why I'm very critical of the way that they tend to be reported. They don't represent the moves that teams are likely to make, such as the Chiefs restructuring part of... Patrick Mahomes deal, such as the Chiefs releasing Frank Clark, such as, such as the Bengals, expected to do something with that Joe Mixon contract, potentially do something with Jonah Williams, potentially do something with Brandon Wilson, who, by the way, is still on the books for $2 million in 2023. And it's kind of hard to see the roster spot for Brandon Williams and them carrying that $2 million cap hit all the Wilson. way to Brandon Wilson, sorry, and carrying that cap hit all the way to camp if they choose to use it somewhere else. So you, you have to subtract from that 17 point, whatever I said, 17 and a half million, a couple, a couple hundred thousand dollars, which, which will end up being close to $1.8 million to include 53 players. Cause the Bengals don't care about top 51 rules. So the, the practical cap space is really 15.8 million. Then you have to subtract another about five and a half million for rookies. And for the practice squad, yes, the practice squad has cap hits. And that leaves them at about $10 million or so. Subtract another couple hundred thousand for the likely Cody Ford cap hit. That leaves them just south of $10 million in actual cap space, practical cap space at this point in the offseason. That number could become $16.8 million if they choose to cut Joe Mixon. Could get even bigger. Could get all the way up to about $30 million, $29.5 million if they do find a trade partner for Jonah Williams. Of course, 
you only do those things if you have plans for that money, whether that's extensions, whether that's external free agents, which we will talk about, tight end, corner, running back. But that's the current Bengals cap situation. And some of the things they can do if they choose to increase their cap space without doing any of the restructure stuff. That doesn't even get into restructures, of course. You know, I think I mentioned they, they could get another $16 million or so if they did choose to max restructure all the guys that they would potentially restructure, but that's not in their blood. So practically speaking, $9.5 million of 2023 cap space with the potential with the Joe Mixon cut or Jonah Williams, Jonah Williams trade to, to get to even bigger numbers. Mixon, we were messaging this morning, and it cannot happen. I don't care if every free agent running back decides to go play in the NBA. I don't care if this loaded running back class decides they're all going to join the XFL on max contracts, which they don't have in the XFL, by the way. At least I don't think so. Max deals. I I do not care. You cannot bring back Joe Mixon at a $12.7 million cap bet. And so hopefully that one happens. And whether that's renegotiation, pay cut, Whatever it is, this isn't an anti-Joe Mixon thing where I, I'm just thinking he's a horrible player. I don't think that. I think he's a good player. That's just not worth anywhere close to what the cap hit is that he's bringing. And so that's one. The Jonah Williams thing is really interesting. I think the Bengals, they're like, yeah, he's playing right tackle. I still feel that way. Now, Ian Rappaport reported on Friday that a deal could happen soon. It just doesn't – if if I think a, th- a third-rounder is okay for it, the Bengals are probably thinking a two. Like they always have high value on their guys, especially if they're penciling him in and kind of mm-hmm. sharpieing him in, I think, in their head with what they're paying him, 12.6 million as their starting right tackle. I I just I think that's the more and more I think about it, I just don't know if a team is going to come calling and give them the capital that they would want. Maybe, maybe it happens, but the Joe Mixon's one they can control. And I wouldn't give Jonah away either. Joe Mixon, if you're not willing to take a pay cut, I I would certainly move on because there are a lot of guys, even still as weird as this free agent market is, I think there are a lot of guys that can give you 80% of what Mixon can for 20% of the cap hit, maybe even less Mm -hmm. of a cap hit, which would obviously give you flexibility to explore tight end, cornerback, all these other positions that we'll talk about. Might be 25% of the cap hit, too. Uh, and they don't save the entire cap hit. If they cut them, they save, what is it, 7.2 or 7.8? Yeah, 7.6. you have $5 million in debt. Yeah. yeah. So so they save 7.6 is, is the net cap savings if they release them. The, the mixing thing, man, I mean, we've talked about it a lot. It's why I'm generally never going to be in favor of second contracts for running backs. He's one of... Uh, six running backs in the NFL. Sorry, one of seven running backs in the NFL on a multi-year deal who's making more than $10 million per year. The other three running backs in the NFL making more than $10 million this year. Tony Pollard, Josh Jacobs, and Saquon Barkley. All of those guys are on the franchise tag. And of Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara, Dalvin Cook, Derrick Henry, Nick Chubb, Joe Mixon, and Aaron Jones, how many of those teams do you think are happy with those contracts right now? Two? Maybe three. Maybe the Vikings are still happy with Dalvin Cook. The 49ers mm-hmm. traded for Chris, Christian McCaffrey. They know what they were getting there, and the Browns are happy with Nick Chubb. The yeah. Titans Chubb's are trying to a, trade. Chubb's Derek a great Henry. value, honestly. Yeah, the Titans are trying to trade Derrick Henry. Aaron Jones just took a pay cut. Alvin Kamara, I mean, 
You think oh. the Saints are happy with 15 mil? I mean, Alvin Kamara is a great player. You think the Saints are happy with having Alvin Kamara for $15 million against their cap or no. uh, average per year? Because right he's not now? that anymore. He, he hasn't played like that. So, And the team isn't that anymore. Like you're just well, not. They, a place they where... think they are. They think they yeah. are. Well, that's a different. That's problem. why they're in on Foster Moreau. They're like, hey, come win a Lombardi. There we will have to Foster talk. Moreau. We will have to talk about Foster Moreau. Uh, on the Jonah Williams front, though, I, I think I also agree with you. The other really challenging factor for the Bengals, if they are trying to trade Jonah Williams, is look around the NFL left tackles and try to find the landing spot that makes sense. It's kind of challenging. I mentioned the Bears last time we talked. Turned out they had a fifth-round rookie left tackle who played really well for them last year. So, man, wouldn't it be great to have a fifth-round rookie left tackle come play really well? Um, But but the Bears probably now it would not be Uh, right tackle. Yes, left tackle. Yeah, right right tackle. Right tackle. Now I'm saying like (laughs) historic, like last year. No doubt. You have a fifth no round anything on your offensive line come in and be like, okay, this is our starter for the next four years. I guess they kind of got that in Cordell Volson, but they did. I mean, he has some room to grow. Anyway, point is, it's hard to find a landing spot for Jonah in addition to some of the other complications. So like, like you talked about where the Bengals just value him and want to have him be their right tackle. So you, you got to find a trade partner. You got to have a replacement if you're the Bengals. So maybe it's a draft day trade or maybe it's a training camp trade. Maybe they feel good about someone else at right tackle. And at that point they say, oh, somebody went down. Somebody needs a tackle. Somebody's going to trade us a player that we want or a pick that we want in the future for Jonah Williams. At that point, the cap space isn't very helpful um, unless it's a player for player trade. Restructure or not a restructure. Uh, That that could help with like a team. could help an extension. Yes. And that's the thing with all of this stuff is there's no reason to make these moves if they're not going to use that money somewhere else, i.e. an extension. Or on one of these external free agents that we're about to talk about, James, including Foster Moreau, to finish the show here coming up next. Today's show also brought to you by FanDuel, America's number one sports book. And the tournament is heating up, which means it's the perfect time to download FanDuel. Did you see Xavier? Oh, you were scared a few days ago. Xavier making it to the Sweet 16. Shout out to them, the last Ohio team remaining. And new customers with FanDuel get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, super easy to use and start wagering today. FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at an even bigger payout with a same-game parlay. So maybe you're wanting to get in on some NBA action. Maybe you want to get in on some tournament action. You can do all of those things right now. Maybe you're looking ahead to the draft. You can do that as well with FanDuel. Don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel an official sports betting partner of the NBA. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. 
I've been home all day, James, on Sunday as we record this. We're recording this episode. It's currently about 6.40 Eastern time. So if the Bengals are going to make a move on Sunday, it's going to be in a few hours when either I leave or we're done recording. That has been their trend. Yep. And if that keeps up, uh, after about 9 p.m. Eastern on Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday this week, those are those are other opportunities for the Bengals to go sign some guys. But Let's talk about some of those guys still out there, James. Foster Moreau had a visit, went down to New Orleans for a visit as well. Could talk about some running backs. Could talk about some corners. Mm -hmm. Eli Apple, potentially. Where, where do you want to start here? Probably on a tight end, I assume. Well, yeah, let's talk, with, let's talk about Foster Moreau because he was in town on Friday. And it's interesting because he visited. Joe Burrow was, was in New York, and they were teammates together at LSU. Not sure where Jamar Chase was. I'm assuming he wasn't at Paycor Stadium uh, giving – you know, his spiel to Foster Moreau to come to Cincinnati. So interesting there. Maybe they've reached out since. But then he visited the Saints. And I just said the LSU connection. They're returning to, to Louisiana, reuniting with Derek Carr, who he was obviously a teammates with for four years in Las Vegas. I, I think it's, it's interesting that it, it might be down to these two teams. Maybe there's a sneaky third team in there. But to me, and maybe it's the the – orange and black glasses if i'm a 25 year old tight end i know where i want to go now that's if everything's equal if the saints are offering more that was a hell of an environment <laughs> that uh mm -hmm. that they had at the superdome and, and i was like man that would be fun to play there no doubt so I, I think it's interesting but to me this would be a a huge get because it would it would clear up it, it would open up the draft for the Bengals because right now tight end is their biggest need, I, I I guess right tackle but they have Jonah Williams in there now in their head, who's their tight end? It's Devin Asiasi, who, who all right so they had Seathan Carter in for a visit as well that's a special teamer that's not going to make you feel good about tight end, so to me, getting a guy like Moreau. Uh, getting another veteran, one of these other guys. I know Dalton Schultz is still out there, still feels unrealistic. I'll mention him just because. But getting a Moreau could be a, a, a long-term solution to one of those tight end spots. I still think they would draft one regardless. You know, Cameron Brake got released. Could they go after him? Nope. He's a stopgap. I, I, I don't want 32-year-old stopgap when you could get Foster Moreau, who could be good through age 28 and, and be good really for – the, the rest of Orlando Brown's contract, essentially, just to give you an idea, if you could sign him to three years or four years or something like that. And I think three would make sense for both sides. Maybe Dalton Schultz is in play. I, Maybe. I also doubt it. The Bengals seem to want to spend less than $7 million per year on a free agent tight end, which you judge mostly off of Hayden Hurst leaving. Uh, maybe that was just a number they weren't comfortable with him. Maybe they were comfortable going $7 million somewhere else. They probably imagine that Foster Moreau is similar in price range to the Bengals as what they would feel comfortable paying to Hayden Hurst. Maybe a little bit more. He's a little bit younger. I think they would be more comfortable giving him multi-years. Multiple years. Versus yes. Hurst. Yeah. Yes. That, that would make a lot of sense. If I'm the Bengals and I were giving Foster Moreau a contract offer, it would be probably a three-year deal. I mean, I think the players like three-year deals. You get three years. It gives you a little bit of security if you're the Bengals. Uh, was a guy that tested like a really good athlete. We, we showed those athletic numbers for the safeties, was a 94th percentile athlete by RES, had really good jumps, 90th percentile vertical and broad jumps at the combine uh, back in 2019, a 96th percentile short shuttle 
an 87th percentile 40-yard dash. And he's really good after the catch. So that's where that agility shows up. That's where some of that speed shows up a little bit. Some of that strength shows up with Foster Moreau. I think that from a skill set perspective, he'd probably be better than the Bengals. And I DM'd you about this earlier today, James. So no surprise to you. I think he'd be better than the last two Bengals tight ends in terms of his ball skills downfield, his high point ability, his contested catch ability. I think that he's flashed quite a bit of ability going above the rim. To, to come down in, in those situations. And I think that he clearly has more after catchability, not to take anything away from, from Hayden Hurst or from CJ Uzama, but Foster Moreau is a guy that even going back to LSU has been really good after the catch. And so really like those things in terms of a fit. Mm-hmm. I wonder if the money is really what it's coming down to here. It wouldn't be surprising at all. I, I think that both teams have a pretty equal appeal. You, you know, you either play with Joe Burrow and, and, you know, you have a better chance to win in Cincinnati, right? Or going home, playing mm-hmm. with your, your former quarterback, playing where you're from, playing where you played your college ball. Like those things are all huge draws for Foster Moreau. From, mm-hmm. from a football perspective, you know, you would say it's probably an easy choice, but it's obviously never that simple when money and other social factors are involved. But it, it's a deal you would like to see work out. The tight end market is starting to kind of dwindle, but you never know. I mean, like we read in Paul Daner Jr.'s great piece over at TheAthletic.com about how the Orlando Brown deal came together, Joe Burrow's getting agents to call them. Orlando Brown, for for what I've read it, how I've read it, wanted to play with Joe Burrow. Mm-hmm. Oh, maybe that's the same for, same for Dalton Schultz, you know? I, I don't know, and sure. especially at the tight end position where the last two guys to play tight end for Joe Burrow have gone on to make big money. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that that's that's the part of it. If I'm if I'm Dalton Schultz, I want the Bengals because I think I can cash in next year by showing having another good year and, and showing and playing deep into the postseason with the Bengals, and then hitting the market when it's not the deepest tight end class in a decade. <laughs> that's that's the part of it, right? And uh, and so we'll see what happens. But uh, Moreau would make sense to me. And uh, this is when you need Joe Burrow to get out those crackers or cheeseburgers or whatever it is and, and see if he can get that deal done. A nice crawfish boil, Louisiana well, style. Well, I first off, sign me up for that. That sounds amazing right now. <laughs> uh, that, that said, yeah, whatever, whatever gets it done, get it done. Because I, I think that that would just stabilize that position. But there's, there's some uncertainty at running back. I wonder what they do there. You, you mentioned Daner's piece. He highlighted the the Samaj J. P. Ryan mm-hmm. part of things. They made him a strong offer, similar, maybe exact to, to what Denver offered him. And he decided to go to Denver for personal reasons. By the way, congrats to Samaj. He just had a uh, a baby girl, him and his wife. So maybe it's a family thing and, and wanting to get out west to that time zone. But uh, regardless, I think they're willing to spend at least something on a veteran running back. Did that go out the door with the Orlando Brown Jr. deal? Or mm. will they go after Damian Harris? Or will they go after you know, one of these other guys that are out there? Devin Singletary. You know, Devin Singletary is interesting for sure. I, I mean, 25 years old. Could, could he give you 80% of what Mixon can? They still need to find the passing down back. Well, Devin the, Singletary, I think. Sure. And, and, and Well, yeah, he's not going to catch a bunch of passes. And that's, that's the part of this. Can you rely on a rookie to do that? I don't know. All I know is is 12.7 is too much, but I already I already gave my spiel on that. Um, the other one to watch is Eli Apple. Does he return his market? It, it's a weekend. 
anytime the legal tampering period starts and it's a weekend and you're still out there as a free agent, that that can't feel good. Unless you're Odell Beckham Jr. and you're a star and you're trying to pick out where you're going. Like Dalton Schultz is probably feeling pretty uneasy right now. And Foster Moreau, even with a couple of visits. And the other thing, even though he left Cincinnati Friday, that happened to Nick Scott. He left Cincinnati mm -hmm. and Taylor Rapp came in for a visit and they still signed Nick Scott. So it doesn't mean that it's not going to happen. And since I said that, by the time you see this, Foster Moreau will probably be a New Orleans saying. No, come on, James. <laughs> Well, I just jinxed it. That's all. That's what I'm Putting saying. Putting that out into the world. There's still a lot of guys out there at corner. If we're talking about like that two, three million dollar range at corner, and I don't know what like Shaq Griffin's going to get after he was cut by the Jaguars, coming off a thirteen million dollar deal, but he's out there as a street free agent. Ronald Darby's out there as a street free agent for like some some of the like the more veteran stopgap one year deal kind of kind of candidates, and along with Eli Apple. Um. Trey Flowers, of course, if the Bengals are interested in bringing him back, he's still available. He has not signed elsewhere yet. We haven't uh, haven't talked a whole lot about Trey Flowers and and whether his role still exists with the Dax Hill future that, that we talked about a little bit earlier. And maybe there's a bigger role for Akeem Davis Gaither and they bring Dax Hill down to, to do the Trey Flowers job and they put, instead of Trey Flowers on the field for those snaps, maybe that's an Akeem Davis Gaither role in in. 2023 who knows uh another a number of other corners we could talk about I'm not going to read a bunch of names rocky sin is another name that really stands out to me uh would be all a second team. contract yeah all name team for sure um, let's go but watching running back for sure watching cornerback i don't know would they sign uh, would they sign leonard fournette for a, a million bucks i wouldn't i just I just don't see the point. Like, you could cut him in camp if it doesn't work out. I guess there's that. That would be the point. I, I just. Curious. Just wondering. I know he played through some injuries and stuff last year. It wasn't awful if you if you look at whatever you want to look at. I mean, it wasn't bad. Yeah. J.D. McKissick? That's a name we haven't talked about. He's hurt more than me and you, but yeah. I agree. I, I, pass down-wise, when, he, when down. he's healthy, he can play. Yeah, I mean, he continues to take snaps away from Antonio Gibson, which was my the bane of my fantasy existence there for a while, back when I still played fantasy football. Well, and then Brian Robinson came along and said, I'm the right. captain now. That's right. So, uh, I don't know if they're going to make a move at, at right tackle here with Cody Ford in the building, with them apparently willing to stick with Lyle Collins' recovery with Jonah Williams currently under contract. If Jonah's still on the team, I'm not expecting another move at right tackle in the imminent future here, James. But right tackle, something that I think is still worth kind of watching that market corner. Your boy, your boy Jermaine Illuminor, by the way, went back to the Raiders. Yeah, I think he wondering. announced that like a few days ago. He said something himself about him and uh, who's the other tackle there? Colton Miller, mm -hmm. him and Colton Miller being like the best tackle duo in the league this year or something. He said that a few days ago. So I was expecting them to announce that uh, since wow. then. But uh, he said that be, he's got to be confident, man. Colton I mean, Miller is pretty good. Um, okay. Anyway, I mean, geez, oh, Pete. <laughs> right tackle, corner, running back, tight end, maybe in reverse order of priority. Maybe, maybe a defensive lineman. Maybe they're looking for a little bit more defensive line depth. Those, that's what we're watching. I can't wait for Juju Smith-Schuster and Mike Gesicki to say they're the best one-two combo in the league. Wide receiver, sure. tight end. Why Good not? God. I mean, I'm sure that, that TikTok probably already exists, James. Let's be honest. you got a terrible gritty in the background while 
Smith Schuster's dancing on some logo somewhere talking about how good he is. Anyway, let's get out of here before I, I don't like Juju Smith Schuster, man. We'll be back when the Bengals make their next move. And we continue to have you covered every day here on the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Until next time, Huda, and have a good one. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.